Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Ascension Day, a day of celebration as we know that our Lord has ascended on high and He still reigns. This is one of those important realities that Jesus rose from the dead physically, was on the earth for 40 days, and there He appeared to at least 500 people, and He rose physically up into heaven and still reigns on high. This is an important dynamic as we look as Christians. And for us, this is why when we look at the word of God, we know the hope that we have, which is in Christ, which is important as we look at Genesis chapter four, because it's just after the fall. And now we have the first son, the first two sons and and the back and forth. And many times we read this, assuming we know the story. And sometimes I even do this where you might add a word here or two. And then when we do that, we not only will do that, but then we will forget the main emphasis of all of scripture. And that is seeing Christ. So this morning, I invite you all to look at Genesis chapter four with fresh eyes of Cain and Abel and us always, as always to open up our Bibles, to put on your Christ goggles, and let's start studying for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back Pastor Mark Jasa of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California. Pastor Jasa, happy Ascension Day, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. Happy Ascension Day to you, too. All right, brothers. So tell me, what's going on for you, your beloved family, and the work of the saints in Mount Olive? Well, um, we are... uh... Uh, doing uh, lots of evangelism. We're continuing to uh, work at the USC campus. And um, so I'm daily talking to college students about Jesus. And uh, so that's, and of course I'm preaching every Sunday. I'm, you know, visiting my parishioners who uh, are, are at home and uh, we have, we do have live services as well. Um, I, last night I did a uh, a class for uh, Reverend Dr. Al Espinosa's congregation, St. Paul's Irvine. Uh, we were doing a, an evangelism class, um, so that's that's kind of what I'm up to. All right. Well, this is it's got to be troubling a little bit here, Pastor Jason, because you just said USC that you are doing this evangelism at, and you are a UCLA grad, a Bruin. So I don't know how this works. That is, is, that, is that working okay? <laughs> you know, it is weird. It's like a parallel reality. Instead of being blue and gold, they're like blue and uh, cardinal. And, uh, sorry, re- uh, cardinal and, sorry, yellow and, yeah, gold and cardinal. And so the colors are wrong, but uh, <laughs> other than that, like the kids are like the same and like a lot of the architecture is the same and the conversations are the same. So, you know, gotcha. it's, it's kind of funny. That uh, is. Oh, that's so much fun. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> you pastor, I'll tell you this is just a great reminder for us that 
we should be praying for our college students. As Pastor Jason, for many, many years, he did this even while we were in seminary, would go and witness on college campuses that that's the time that they need to hear the gospel. And so every day and every day for many, many years, we Pastor Jason has proclaimed that pure gospel to them, law gospel, the understanding of who their Savior is. And we pray the Holy Spirit as a work. So pray for your college students and pray for the work of pastors like Pastor Jason who is serving among them. So pastor, let's, let's, let's begin in that way. Can you begin our time in prayer? Heavenly father, we thank you that you have given us your word. And I love that, that verse in the, the, uh, the hymn, thy strong word, thy strong word bespeaks us righteous. You certainly do. You declare us righteous because of your righteous son. And because of that, we, you know, John asks that question on that great and terrible day, who can stand? And you, you clothed in Christ, you can stand. That's the answer. And we thank you that uh, that we are forgiven and we will rise in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we're studying today, Genesis chapter 4, if you have any questions concerning our text, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or today, um, Pastor Jay says, great off the cuff as he does college ministry and serves in his parish. So give us a call, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Pastor, we're going to begin this way. I'm going to read all of Genesis 4 and come back because you have a lot of, of great insights on all of Scripture and what this relates to, and that is specifically needed in Genesis chapter 4. So I'm going to read all of Genesis 4 and come back to hear your first thoughts. So we hear the Word of God. Genesis chapter 4, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And it says, Now Adam knew his wife, Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord Yahweh. And again she bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord Yahweh an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord Yahweh had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord Yahweh said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and wanderer of the earth. Cain said to the Lord Yahweh, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer of the earth, and whoever finds me will surely kill me. Then the Lord Yahweh said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. 
Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord Yahweh and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mehujael. Mehujael fathered Methuselah, Methuselel, and Methuselel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. Name of one was Ada, and the second was Zilah. Ada bore Jabal, and he was a father of those who dwell in the tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he was a father of those who played, play the lyre and pipe. Zillah bore Tubalcain, and he was a forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubalcain was Nema. Lamech said to his wife, wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seven, seventy, seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again and bore a son, and named his name was Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also was born, and he was called in his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord Yahweh. This is our text today, the word of our Lord. Pastor, there's a lot here. So what can you give us to start us off on the right foot? Well, um, I wondered if I could uh, just give... uh, So I saw uh, something on my way home the other day as I walked past uh, a a Jewish center, and it it had this quote from the Talmud on on the side of the building, and it says, What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the entire Torah. The rest is commentary. And as I looked at this, Mm. Uh, and this was from the Babylonian Talmud. And, and I looked at this, and I think, you know what, this is what a, a lot of mainstream American Christianity believes as well, that the Bible is morality. And I'm not saying there isn't morality in the Bible, but uh, we're missing it. And so, so I just wanted to re- remind our con- congregations as we speak and uh, people who are listening that in John five thirty nine, you know, Jesus says, it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Uh, so in many times we hear uh, what the scriptures are about. They are about Jesus, and in particular, Jesus saving us. So that's the mindset I'm looking at. And so uh, I believe that Genesis chapter 1 is about death and resurrection. It's about life emerging from the earth on the third day. Uh, Genesis 2 is about uh, God uh, creating his work on the seventh day and resting when it is finished, and pointing to Christ doing his work of salvation and on the seventh day resting when it is finished. So, uh, and Genesis 3 is about the um, the promise that the uh, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Uh, again, about Jesus saving us. So guess what chapter four is about? Jesus saving us. So um, when, uh, and, and I think that Eve thought this too, because in, in chapter four, verse one, 
uh, it says, now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man, the Lord. I have gotten a man, Yahweh. So that's what the text says. So uh, our editors or, you know, and uh, translators have inferred that what she meant was, with the help of the Lord, but that's not what the text says. The text just says, I have gotten a man, Yahweh. And so uh, Luther and various people before him believed that she was saying, I have that promise, uh, Genesis 3.15, the promise that the seed of the woman was going to crush the head of the servant, that's happening right now. So uh, I, I think that's, that's, a, uh, that's exactly what Eve was thinking. And um, so, so, so then you, you get into this, and I, I believe we have Moses, who wrote Genesis, is mm-hmm. instructing us. And we get to uh, verse 2, she bore his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a worker of the ground. So who is the great keeper of sheep that we read about in the Bible. I'm the good going shepherd. with the good shepherd. The good shepherd, right. right. <laughs> and, and if you and even if you ask the Jews who's the great one, they're gonna say King David, right? So mm. certainly great people in the Bible were keepers of sheep. And of course the greatest one of all is um is Jesus, is Christ, is the Lord himself is the keeper of sheep. So, uh, and then um, it says Cain was a worker of the ground. Well, who who was the first worker of the ground? Adam. So hmm. we we have this parallel that Moses is teaching us about with, with Cain paralleling his father and Abel paralleling the, the ultimate the ultimate seed of the woman who is going to crush the head of the serpent. And so, Pastor, um, as you look at that, uh, just to take a step back, is we speak yeah. often, and you've reaffirmed this, to put on your Christ goggles. And, 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 yes. and with this, it, it's interesting. So you have that parallel of the shepherd, and you have the parallel with the, the one who works the ground. Now, how do you make sure here, Pastor, because this is this is good for us to start this way, is that we're not going too far into that, where it's like, oh, there's Jesus there, um, or can we do that? Like, can, we, can we see Jesus too often in the scriptures? How would, how would you respond to someone who might say, well, you're digging too far into that? What would you say? Well, I, I would just say, okay, well, start asking some questions like, okay, in the text, in the text, who, who is the first shepherd? It's Abel. In the text, it's kind of interesting. Who is the one who has no record of sin? There's no record of someone sinning in this story. And that would be, again, Abel. Um, who is betrayed? Who is killed? So, number one, shepherd. Number two, no record of sin. Number three, he's betrayed. Number four, he's killed. Number five, his sacrifice is accepted by God. 
Number six, his blood cries out. And number seven, in this same story, the criminal who kills him rightly receives a punishment that is greater than he can bear, but then he is released from the punishment he deserves, which is all of these are in parallel to Christ. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus has no record of sin. He is betrayed. He is killed. He is sacri- his sacrifice is accepted by God. His blood cries out. And by the way, what does it cry out? It cries out, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm. And in this same story, a criminal rightly receives a punishment that is greater than he can bear, but then he is released from the punishment he deserves. Remember, uh, in Luke chapter 23, the criminal cries out to Jesus, uh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So uh, at some point, the similarities um, get... uh, a little overwhelming. You, you have so many yeah. similarities that you, you can hardly ignore them. Well, yeah, okay. Well, there it is. I think uh, um, you, you've obviously done your homework on this because something that we can easily read this story, this true story in history, and we can easily just get caught up in the little details and lose sight of the bigger proclamation that you said Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit, knew of a Messiah to come, and here was this story that you know the Holy Spirit was had his had his Christ, um, what we call it a, a Christ fingerprints all over, if I can say it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. much that it points us to Abel as a type of Christ. Is that how we would say it? That Abel is a type of Christ. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, and Very we good. can also see. See how look at look at how add, look at the story. Look at Genesis chapter three. In Genesis th- chapter three, here here's the pattern: Adam sinned in chapter three. Then Adam covered it up, covered up his sin. Then he denied it. Then he receives a curse that the ground will not yield its produce. And in this story, Adam is driven away from his home. But before that, without even asking him, God gives him a blessing and that solves his problem. The blessing that uh, Adam is given is that his, his problem is uh, his uh, guilt and sorrow, his, his uh, shame. And God takes that away by the innocent animal dies in order to... Um, cover up the shame of the guilty. So he's he's given a a a a, um, a blessing that solves his problem. And in the same way, if you look at Cain, Cain sinned, then he covered up his sin, then he denied it, then he receives the curse that the ground will not yield. Look, so look at that. It's it's the same basic story. And then uh, he is he is driven away from his home. But, but before that, what happens before that? Cain, without asking, God doesn't even ask him if, if he wants it. God gives Cain a blessing 
that solves his problem. His problem is that he has a, a, a punishment greater than he can bear. And God gives him this mark of blessing that prevents him from receiving what he deserves. And so, Pastor, so as we look have, at... Go, keep going. Yeah, so, so again, we have uh, lots of details in this, in this story that point us to Abel being a type of Christ and Cain being a type of Adam or a type of us. So, um, so we have the, the new Adam and the old Adam. So I guess I could say uh, I am both. I am in Adam. I am the good I want to do, I do not do. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I keep doing. Who will save me from this body of death? Uh, so you've got that, but then you've also got uh, in Christ, I am pure, holy, and righteous. And um, so, 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 Pastor, let me ask you yeah. this: as as we look at this common reaction to sin, we see, like you said, with Adam and Eve. Adam says, well, it's this woman you gave to me. And, and the woman says, no, it was the devil that made me do it. Mm. And here we see, you know, am I my brother's keeper? It just keeps going on right. and on and on. And it, and it brings me back to this. Why was Abel's um, uh, presentation accepted, offering, and Cain, Cain's was not? This is a common question. It's a confirmation question. You kind of, well, that doesn't seem fair because it looked like he had some good fruit there. You know, he had some good things here. How come he didn't choose it? What would you tell them? So um, before I, I've got something else that you tipped me off. I, can I go there? For, oh, for just go there and then come I, back. Can I go? Let's do it. Okay. Do okay. It. So <laughs> you just mentioned that, um, that uh, Cain's reaction to when, when God says, where's your brother? Look at what his reaction is. It's very similar to Adam's. When God comes to Adam and says, uh, have you sinned? What have you done? <laughs> Immediately. So one of my parishioners says, this is the first time you see a bus in the Old Testament, because Adam throws Eve under the bus. And, and you see the very same thing in chapter 4, when, uh, when he says, um, where is your brother? So you've right. got the same thing, God coming up to, to first to Adam and then in chapter 3, and then to uh, Cain in chapter 4, and both of them have this deep, intimate relationship with someone, and then both of them uh, completely abandon the relationship. And um, this reminds me of the, uh, the passage where... Um, Jesus says, Jesus quoting the Old Testament says, uh, uh, one who is close to me has turned his heel against me. Um, so this, this is that betrayal. And Okay, now I'm going to get to what you asked. What you actually asked yeah. is about, um, wh so where did Cain and Abel get the idea to give an offering? And I, I, so I think it, their, their idea in the first place to give an offering comes from Genesis chapter 3, where uh, you, in the very end, uh, it's verse 21, um, 
the innocent animal dies to cover up the shame of the guilty. So God takes skins of an animal and makes coverings, makes clothing for Adam and Eve. So they've already seen this. And so I think, so it says, how, uh, how Cain and Abel gave, how they gave is of chief importance, not what they gave. So, however, what each person gave is a picture of faith and unbelief. So even though uh, I'm not leaning on what they gave, uh, like Scripture clearly says, uh, I think that, 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 that what they gave wasn't the point. It's how they gave. In fact, um, mm. the book of Hebrews clearly says that it is because of faith. Faith was the difference. But even though faith was the difference, what they gave, what each one gave, gives us a picture of faith and unbelief. And I'll get into that here. So their parents in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden, they showed the way that unbelief acts. So Adam and Eve, by their own efforts, tried to cover up their shame. So the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they sinned is... Uh, their first act after their sin was to make garments out of fig leaves. That was their first action. And so by this, Adam and Eve show that they believe that they will cover up their shame by what they do. Mm-hmm. So they were trusting in their own actions. But this isn't God's plan. So, so God provided the skin of the one who had not sinned to provide garments for them. So therefore, the innocent one died to cover up the shame of the guilty. And through the entirety of the Bible, so this is the promise that we are given to trust. You and I are given to trust. The innocent one has died for us and has covered up our shame. So, you know, the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. And Pastor Finner, your sins are taken away. So, Cain does not trust God for his righteousness. As a picture of that, he gives the sweat of his brow. So it's what he does, his produce. Uh, So Abel does trust in God for his righteousness, and therefore he follows the pattern that we see at the end of Genesis 3 by trusting that the innocent one would die to cover up his shame. So, So Abel's sacrifice imitates the sacrifice of God in the garden and points to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And pastor, as we, as we look at this, I'm, I'm very much so looking through these Christ goggles in a way that really, not that I haven't done it before, but you're making all the good arguments as we're looking, especially that of faith and, and the story from beginning to end. And I want to dig a little bit more into that, especially when it says, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And I want to touch on that on the other side of our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 4 with Mark Jasa, and we will be right back.
These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 4 with Pastor Mark Jasa of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California. Pastor, it is very clear. We have really gone through the first nine verses, and you brought that up, this diversion reality for each one of us. And you know, am I your bro- my brother's keeper? And how often do we do that? And it brings us to verse 10. It brings us back to the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, who said, what have you done? It reminds me a little bit of Adam and Eve. Where are you? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You connected that to Christ. Can you unpack that a little bit? That's a portion that I think we can misinterpret quite often. What are your thoughts in verse 10? So verse 10, the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So uh, immediately, you know, uh, I love the fact that, that we have the, uh, the New Testament to tell us what the Old Testament means. And so we can go to um, Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verse 24, and it says, and, uh, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So I first want to just start linguistically, look at... Um, Better goes, better is paired not with bad. Bad and better don't go together. Better goes with good. You have something good and then you have something better. You don't have something bad and then something better than bad. You have something good and something better. And so uh, I'm going to say that if if that's the case, then we... uh, um, we do have when G, uh, on the cross Jesus is the mediator, and His sprinkled blood speaks this wonderful word: "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." And guess what? We are forgiven. And in in a similar way, Stephen, when Stephen was being stoned and he was dying, in the same way, Stephen was crying out the same thing. Uh, do not hold this against them. And so in, uh, when we go back to Abel, um, and uh, I want to uphold the Eighth Commandment by you know, putting the best construction on this and always assuming the best of my neighbor. And hmm. so I'm going to say that, that it's, it's in parallel. He's our Christ figure here. He's crying out to God. What's he going to cry out? That's my brother. And uh, so, so this is the better word, and, and uh, he is speaking in defense of his brother. So I think um, often we, we assume that he is speaking uh, an ill word of his brother. I think often we're, uh, we believe he is speaking condemnation, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think that 
you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so it, it seems to me that uh, that's not what uh, Abel is, is speaking. Uh, and, uh, and it is good that we do have this clear word from Christ that he, he speaks. He, he, here's how Christ's word is better. Christ's word, Christ says, forgive them not. Or, I'm sorry, uh, do not uh, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he does forgive. You and I uh, are the ones that have done what, the things we know not what we do. And Christ has spoken on your behalf and on my behalf. And because of that, we are forgiven. So I, th- that's I think how his, one of the word accomplishes. What and that's that. exactly word right. Accomplishes what. That's exactly right. And I love I love how you make that connection because, for example, that this is an identity piece for us is that you started right away at the beginning that Abel is that type of Christ and and we are a type of Cain. (laughs) And that's not I don't want to be a type of Cain. It's much like this, that if uh, uh, like, for example, like I coach track here in, in Sartell and 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 if I were to go to a track meet. And I'm going down the list of who's going to throw. You know, here comes Ola. Here comes here comes uh, Hunter. Here comes Joe. Here comes Bill. All this, you know. Okay, you're up. Throw. And all of a sudden, you see the name Kane, like Kane Johnson or something. That you're kind of mm-hmm. like, uh oh. Like obviously, mom and dad didn't like him very much uh, to name him Kane. Right. Um, but right, it right. definitely gives you a, an identity that we need blood to be shed for us right that this is yeah, what yeah. we need for identity which is the blood bought um blessed uh child of king jesus that that is exactly there as our identity and here we see the implications i want to move on here to verse 11 and now yeah, it says you to... are cursed excuse me now you are cursed from the ground which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand when you work the ground, it should no longer yield to you its strength. It should be a fugitive and wandering on the earth. So this is a pretty big punishment. He's like, this is more than I can bear. What is the Lord doing um, to Cain here? Or how would you talk about that? So um, I, I think it's really interesting how similar the curse the curse of Cain here is to the curse that Adam got. Because Adam... Uh, did not have to work for the ground to produce uh, until after the fall. And then after the fall, now he's got all this work to do. And it, it's it's going to be harder to get um, good crops out of, out of the earth. And now um, Cain gets a very similar one, that when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. So it's going to be diminished. So, so he and Adam, again, so this is just another point in which um, Cain, Cain mirrors the old Adam. And, um, and you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer, wanderer of the earth. And did you, did you hit 13 as well? I just said, you know, he said, this is more punishment than I can ever bear, which obviously right, Cain right. is feeling the weight of it all. All right. And... So I really like the way that that this points to us. You know, the wages of sin is death. 
our punishment is greater than what we can bear. And so uh, that's the big problem. This is, this is why we have so many religions in the world, because everyone in the world knows that what is coming is greater than what I can bear. Death is coming. Guilt. I have guilt and death. The, the two greatest problems in, in my life are coming at me, and I have no way to solve these problems. And so, Pastor, let's move forward from there, is that he basically says, um, this is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. So he knows that he is not worthy to stand before the Lord. Like you said, this is what we know. The problem is how people try to fix it, right? And he says, I'll be a fugitive, and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord says, not so. If anyone kills Cain, there'll be vengeance upon him. And the Lord put a mark on Cain. This is an important piece that can easily be mis- misunderstood. The, the part of knowing, okay, this might be his reality. And God says this, not so, which I, you know, there's important words there. And then he puts a mark on Cain. I think those connections are very meaningful. Well, how would you proclaim these words and our understanding of the Lord? So I, I think it's interesting that people view this as as a curse. And I think that the funny thing about it being the idea that it's a curse is that on its face, the, the very just the text itself shows clearly that it's he receives a mark. And what does that mark do? That mark prevents him from receiving what he deserves. And so on its face, it's a blessing. And not only that, but the word for mark, it's that same mark that the Israelites used in the Passover when they put the blood on the door frames. That was the the mark that prevented them from uh, having the uh, firstborn son die. And it's also uh, the same word, this word mark here is the same word that we have for circumcision, which sets you apart as uh, favored by God and and forgiven. And um, so I, I think that this, this is obviously a blessing. I mean, certainly Cain viewed it as a blessing, right, that no one was going to attack him. And um, so you have been marked. You have been given a mark. You have been baptized. And baptism is the mark that prevents you from receiving the punishment that you deserve. Um, you are marked, and therefore there is, you are in Christ, and there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because of this mark, there is no condemnation for you. No one can accuse you of anything because you have this the mark, this mark of blessing. And this is important for us because we can read the curses, right? And we kind of assume that that just continues on. And and the reality is, is he, he's giving them full bore grace here. And he says these words, yes. not so, not so. And I think there's, there's yeah. a, an absolution piece to that. Uh, there's, there's that not so-ness that when we come together in God's house, that we will say, yes, 
that I am indeed a sinner. And this is the implications of this. And it is the Lord in Christ who says, not so, not so. And then he puts that, like you said, you have that mark. He reminds you of that mark that you said so beautifully in baptism. That is so important for us to remember that you have been marked and that condemnation um, therefore, as anyone is Christ, there's there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Romans 8, 1. That is a perfect connection that we see. As you said before, beautifully, that the New Testament helps us understand gold. And I think that's another example that we see. Not so, words of forgiveness that our Lord gives to us in Christ. Pastor, anything else in those first 16 yeah, verses you want to highlight? Yeah, and then that, that not so, that not so points us to the third verse in the hymn, Thy Strong Word. You know, by the way, my, my mm. kids know the Thy Strong Word. And the reason they know it, my wife and I sing it to them. And that third verse, Thy Strong Word bespeaks us righteous. Here it is. The Lord is speaking, not so. You know, you and I, uh, every Sunday we confess, I am a poor, miserable sinner. And God says, not so. No, mm. I am declaring mm. you righteous. So and that is quite overwhelming. So my encouragement to you, our listeners, is come see, come and hear this Memorial Day weekend, the not so-ness of your identity in Christ <laughs> um, to receive that wonderful gift and to know that, uh, well, uh, as you just said, uh, condemned, not so, you know, um, Deserving death and damnation? Well, yes, but in Christ, not so. That's who you are. That's what we are about. And that's what we proclaim continuously. Pastor, let me ask you this. Verses 1 through 16, anything else you want to highlight? I know you have a lot of different things that you could connect to our Lord Jesus. So what else you got? Um, let me see. Um <laughs> So I did look at Luther for some of these, and, and I did I did think it was it was really cool that um, when he when you go to uh, the book of Hebrews to ask about um, uh, what is the difference between the gifts, I think it's great that the writer of Hebrews just tells us it's by faith. It's 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 not because we get so bogged down in. Um, was it that this was a, uh, a, a, um, a from the field, or was it an animal? Um, now, I do think that it is also important that the writer of Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so um, Abel did shed blood, and through the blood he shed, uh, uh, or it, that points to the blood that was shed once and for all. Um, but also, the blood that Cain shed also points us to the uh, the, the blood that saves us. Because, you know, uh, uh, like in Peter's sermon, Peter would point the finger to all of us. As we have, we have murdered the Lord of glory. We have killed him. You know, I, I, with my sin, have killed him. And, and, and then yet Peter is, is telling us, look, you uh, are, your sins are washed away now because of that, because Jesus uh, lives. 
we 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 rose. So getting back to the, that Hebrews eleven verse four, um, he gives us the simple uh, answer that it is by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. It was anything we do outside of faith is sin. So it doesn't matter what sacrifice Cain gave to God. It wasn't in faith. So trust me, says Jesus. I got you. You're, you are safe in my hand. You are forgiven in my hand. You will rise because I rise. Trust me. So, Pastor, as we look at from there, Cain goes away. He goes away from the presence of the Lord. And from here, we just have a very interesting dynamic from verses 17 through 26. We hear of a lot of lineage. We hear of, of you know, the, the family that came from that line. And then we hear at the verses 25 through 26 about Adam knowing Eve once again. They bear a son named Seth. This leads us into the descendancy that we see all the way to Noah in chapter 5. But in this, there's even more to unpack. So I wanted to make sure, what else do you have in those verses at the end of 17 through 26? So, um, so uh, I, I, I like what, uh, th- there was this band uh, called Avenge Sevenfold. I don't know if you've heard of this band. I don't even no, know their uh-uh. music, but I see people wearing their clothing and stuff. So I'm like, hmm. So as I was getting into this, I was thinking, look at what Lamech says at the end. He, he, he talks about, um, uh, he says, Lamech says to his wife, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. So we have this, this interaction uh, between uh, uh, Jesus and, um, and Peter. So Peter comes up to Jesus. This is, um, where is it? It's in, uh, it's in Matthew chapter 18. And um, so Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And I think what Peter is doing here is the, the, the standard from the rabbi is three times. So he doubles the rabbis, which is, so he brings it up to six and then plus one. So it's mm. double plus one at seven. So, so Peter is just, so Peter's talking to the Lord, and Peter wants to impress the Lord with his great understanding. And he says, Lord, up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So, so back in, um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I'm here, boss. Keep going. Uh, sorry, sorry, my, ear, my earphone uh, might be dying. I might have to just go. <laughs> Okay. Hello? I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, I was just making sure that I, was, I wasn't getting connected, uh, disconnected. So in, in Genesis chapter 4, we have Lamech giving us this law, this vengeance, 77-fold uh, vengeance. Um, 
And then you have the bookends. You have a gospel bookend. You have Jesus telling us the type of, of forgiveness that he has for us. I like it how Paul says it to us in, in Colossians, forgive as you have been forgiven. And you and I, mm. we, we have all been forgiven with the 77-fold forgiveness. So um, Lamech is giving us this law, this, this vengeance, 77-fold vengeance, you know, and there's no power behind his words for the vengeance. He's just declaring it. But, and you know, when you and I declare something, there's not a whole lot behind it. But unless you and I are declaring what the words that Christ has given us to declare, when you and I declare, so this goes to, you and I have been given the special uh, exhortation and uh, marching orders to forgive our congregations uh, each Sunday. And we give that 77-fold forgiveness, that, uh, the, the forgiveness that has no end. <clears throat> so uh, so I, I, I really enjoy the, these, these little times when you see uh, these, I call them bookends, when, when you have a hint of something in the Old Testament and then it's resolved in the New Testament. Well, and you take you take Lamech's words, like you said so well, that doesn't hold a lot of weight. It's kind of like me telling you, if you did this, and I would do this. Well, right, that's only right. words, you know. It's like, okay, well, that's that's nice, but you know, let's let's see if that actually is true. You know, proof is in the pudding type of thing. But there, it's all about vengeance. You do this to me, I'm going to do this to you. And so and right. the Lord says, vengeance is mine. Well, vengeance was yeah. his. And now, you know, the proof is in the pudding. As Christians, you know, the vengeance has been placed on the shoulders of Jesus on the cross. And now he's telling us, what is the Christian to do? And it's not vengeance, but it's forgiveness. Seventy forgiveness. times yeah. seven, Jesus says. And there's got to be a good slogan in here somewhere, but I've never made this connection of that time when Jesus is speaking to Lamech's words here, which is why such, I mean, I I thought I knew Genesis really well here, Pastor. And now I'm realizing, okay, I got to reread this once again with my Christ goggles even more so. But to see, you said the bookends, what we see in the Old Testament, Jesus, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit, ding, 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 ding. See, this is where... Jesus changes everything in Scripture. It changes it even in Genesis chapter 4. Pastor, what are the questions? And his word, the word of Christ carries weight. So when, G, you know, uh, in, in Mark chapter 2, uh, remember, remember the guys who have the, the buddy who is paralyzed and they tear the roof open and lower the guy down. And of course, the guy wants to be healed. But what are the words out of Jesus' mouth? Your sins are forgiven. So, so, and then Jesus, to demonstrate that what is, uh, is not seen, he, he, he demonstrates what is not seen, the forgiveness of sins, by what is seen. And what is seen is that he says to the man, get up so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He says, get up, take your mat, and go home. So he proves he has the power to forgive sins by healing the man. So everyone sees the healing. 
they don't see the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins is the thing that we, we have to trust. But we're trusting the guy who has power over life and death, the guy who has the power to create the universe. And he, he makes it clear, your sins are forgiven. Those are the words that he speaks to that man and the words he speaks to us and the words he commands you and me to speak to our congregations every Sunday. And so, like, this is the central part of, of what we, you and I do as pastors. He, he, he sends us to be just a voice. And, but that human voice speaks to our congregation and says, it is finished. Your sins are finished. You are forgiven. Pastor, we have about three minutes left in our time. And at the end, we hear of Seth, uh, who was, was a son born, and he called uh, to Seth, also a son was born, Enosh. And I, I wanted to focus and see if you had other thoughts. Like I said, about three minutes left. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord Yahweh. These words at the end just bring, I mean, he didn't need to put that in there. We maybe assumed that that's what it was. But it is inserted for a reason. Any thoughts on those last few verses, especially in light of the 70 times 7 forgiveness piece and what is God is up to in these verses? What are your thoughts? So the, the carrying on, you've got the thread of Christ that runs through the whole Bible. And so sometimes we see it in pictures, but here we are seeing it actually carried through in genealogy, you have Eve. Eve, Adam knows his wife Eve, Yada. You know, the, 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 the sexual act, Yada, this, this um, deep, intimate act, it's the same, same verb that in the way God knows us. And so Adam knows his wife, they have children, and ultimately, so in verse 25, Adam knew his wife again. And this is the carrying on of the line that will ultimately result in Christ. So, so this is just the continuation that ultimately leads to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, so people began to call upon the name of Yahweh. So it, it, he is carrying this on. Um, Seth has been instructed by his parents. And so, uh, and remember, this is Moses. Moses is writing this, telling us what's going on. See, the, the thing I love about the New Testament is it's commentary on the Old Testament. And the great thing about uh, Moses is Moses is telling us how to understand these, these early stories in the Bible. And so Seth being the continuation of the promise. So, so Seth is directly pointing us to uh, Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And how is he going to do that? Because the, the, the line is continued. And that's why all of these genealogy lines are so important, because uh, this is the way that God chose to bring his son into the world. This is how the word became flesh. And so Seth is is a continuation of the Word becoming flesh. And they called upon the name of the Lord. Pastor Mark Jasa of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California, given us God's strong Word and given us lots of Jesus from Genesis chapter 4. Pastor Jasa, thank you for bringing us his gifts. 
Thank you for having me. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.